your friend, Colin Hawk. The world of technology and healthcare are ever changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of healthcare event marketing. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 17 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. So, Colin, uh, are you tired of going to conferences? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am tired, but not tired from going to conferences. I mean, it's so much fun to see everyone and check out new technologies. I don't think I'd ever get tired of it. Yeah, well, you're kind of addicted. That's fine. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, but I think it was interesting that you know, when we, as we were recording this, we're just finishing up the HLTH, the health conference. And, you know, it's interesting. Some people, it was their first conference back, and yet we've been to dozens. So it's like, such an interesting perspective like people are still so excited to be together like the hugs feel better even like a year into going to more conferences they still feel just as good that's true <laughs> actually for this conference this was the first time i'd seen some of these folks you know in four years now yeah. uh, and uh and they hadn't been back on the circuit yet so yeah for a lot of them this was the first one back and it was exciting and you get the yeah you get the hugs and everything so it was good it's and, and it is fun well, for this episode, we want to kind of mix it up, and you're kind of the lead for this, since you're yeah, the marketer, yeah. I'm the tech guy, right? So as I look <laughs> at it, you know, like, maybe our CIOs will tune out, or maybe they'll be like, yeah, that's exactly right, they need to listen to John and Colin more. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, let's talk about this. Like, do healthcare customers really go to conferences and events to buy? Uh, great question. Um, I think it depends on the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for uh, some, of the, uh, some of the healthcare organizations that I hear from, I talk to that are at conferences. Yeah, they're coming to these conferences with a mission. I'm on the hunt for the patient experience tool, or I'm on the hunt for a new CRM, or I'm on the hunt for you know X or Y clinical tools. So I do think that there are customers who buy. The question is, which conferences are they going to to find this information? And I don't think it's every conference. Interesting. Um, but I do think they're there. Uh, I, I just I think it really depends on uh, what the content's going to be as well as what the aim of the, the conference really is. Well, I think you're pointing out someone who's going in specifically like, ooh, I need to fill this hole as part of our strategic plan, and we're going to be doing RFPs, whatever, right? So they're starting to understand that process. I had a really interesting experience at a user conference that I was at. I was having lunch with them, and they met someone in the exhibit booth that was a partner of the CHR vendor, and they were like, hey, do you know about them? I'm going to go right there and just buy it. It's awesome. And I was like, this has never happened in the history of <laughs> conferences. Maybe it felt like, right? And interestingly, she was from an FQHC, so she had the control. She had the budget. She's like, I'm going to go buy it. I've wanted this solution. And I, like, she literally said that to me as we finished our lunch. She's like, I'm going over there. I'm going to go buy it right now. I was like, wow. <laughs> I haven't seen that much. And, and actually, you bring up a good point. Like, I think one of the conferences, one of the sets of conferences that I think are going to do well into the next year and will continue to do well for a while is user conferences. Because you know whether it's your EHR or whatever main tool that you're using, I think that is where you know, hey, any solution that's here is at least working with my main vendor, and so it's integrated, it talks to each other, and you know all of those kinds of pluses. Those are really good conferences where I think you get buyers. Where I don't think you get buyers are general healthcare shows. Well, I'll just use the example of like CES. I don't think anyone's going to CES going. I need to go and buy like X or Y product. 
I think what they're there to do is browse, is to see what's new, what's new, what's innovative. And I think unfortunately, there's gonna be fewer and fewer of those types of people because as budget gets cut, as time becomes more precious, I just don't think they have time to browse a show with a thousand vendors in it, just kind of looking. Mm -hmm. I think they have to be very purposeful. Yeah, I mean, I think CES is its own <laughs> it's all beast. Yeah, it's 170,000 people. And so I'm sure there's buying often with vendors and other, but in the digital health space, I think you're right. Like, I don't think a lot of, you know, provider organizations go there looking to buy. It's more like, oh, what's innovative? What's happening? It's interesting. So I think that is an interesting evolution. I think the other thing for me is that so many vendors we talk to in our HitMet community, right, which is our healthcare marketing community, mm -hmm. when we talk to them, they're like, well, I've got to go there so I can sell stuff. And even the salespeople I talk to, they're like, I need to sell stuff. And, you know, the smart ones that I talk to are like, no, you don't sell at the conference. You build the relationship at the conference so that then later you could eventually sell to it, right? And yeah. so whether it's going out to the evening parties and, and getting the experiences and sharing it so that then you learn what their real needs are so that then later you can sell to them or whether you're getting a list that then you need to nurture and right. do nurturing campaigns to be able to help, you know, wait until the timing is right for them to buy. But now you're in front of them. Now you're building a relationship of trust. You're building that understanding, your perspective on how to solve the problems. Oh, wait, now that's my problem. So now I've, I've seen you over the last six months. You know, now I can do it. And maybe the lead came from the conference, but they didn't like, okay, you know, I saw you at the conference. Now you want to buy. Like, I don't think that happens really. No, you're right. And I think that's a really good distinction. I think buyers go to certain companies. But with a buying activity, like an actual purchase happening at a conference, that is exceedingly rare. Yeah. It might happen because this is like the last meeting and you've met with them for the last six months and you sure. just happen to be at a conference together. Sure, that happens. But you're right. The conferences nowadays is really more about solidifying that relationship. So it's either someone that's already in your funnel or maybe someone that uh, you know, you're just meeting for the first time and now you're just kind of yeah. you know, early on. Yeah, exactly. It is, it is mostly about that. Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, you know, it, it's such an interesting perspective as you look at events, right? And like, how do you do it? But let's talk about this. We've been to a bunch of events in this fall. You know, conferences are back, that's for sure. But like, what company event marketing re effort really stands out to you? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start by talking about some of the booths I see because mm -hmm. um, that's very visual and I love the visual stuff. I have to give a, a kudos to Salesforce. Mm -hmm. Their booth is just phenomenal. Like it's that forest theme and it's very natural and organic and in a sea of white booths with walls, <laughs> this one is like a forest, right? right? And so it stands out and when you're in it, it just feels different. It feels, it, you're relaxed a bit more, which obviously is the uh, purpose. And they've extended that to their meeting rooms. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's interesting. You have to decide what conference you want to go to and how to approach it. Are there buyers or not? Right. I think that's interesting. We've been to a lot of conferences. Fall conference season is as hectic and busy as, as usual, ever, yeah. right? But uh, which company event marketing efforts have you seen this fall that really stand out to you? Yeah, for, for me, I got to give kudos to Salesforce. Uh, their booth, especially, uh, was outstanding. It's you know, it's got a forest theme going on. Uh, de it's, it's definitely more organic in feel than every other booth. I mean, every other booth, sort of the white walls and the logos yeah. and things like that, very harsh corners. This one is like, it's like it is like being in nature, even though it's not nature. <laughs> but it, as it, it just, as you can, even the sounds. Exactly. Yeah, they have the sounds, 
they have tree stumps instead of uh, instead of those little cubes, uh-huh. and and it just has that feel where you're like, wow, this is different. You were kind of relaxed as you go in the food. Does that help with sales though? Like, I mean, like that's my fear. Like, you know, I'm with you. Like, it felt different. They even had this like side hallway meeting room, and it had the same like continuity, which was cool. But I'm like. I, I don't know. Uh, let me put it this way. I don't know if it'll actually drive any more sales because I think that just boils down to your products and whether or not they can solve, this, solve yeah, the problem. Right. But I will say that it is noticeable. You know when you're looking at the Salesforce booths, you, know, you don't even have to see the name. You go, oh, that's Salesforce. Yeah, right? that's and, and when you see their printed materials or their PDFs and their yeah, emails, yeah, it's got the character, it's got that feel, and it's all tied together. So in terms of integrated event marketing, Got to give kudos to to Salesforce because that to me it just stands out. That that visual theme they carry it right through everything they've done. Yeah, there was one at Health that really was fascinating for me, and it actually was you know the branding across the whole event. There was emails. There was all sorts of things that was done with this. I, I think they even the rideshare actually it was like they went all out in this investment, and that was Nomi Health. Mm. But that wasn't Nomi Health wasn't the one that did it. It was Go Fund Yourself. So they created a fake company and divided their booth in half. And half of the the booth was this fake company called Go Fund Yourself, right? That's just talking about the absurdity that is healthcare and many of the things that are in healthcare. And then on the other side, they had this portal that went through the booth from the Go Fund Yourself to Nomi Health. And you would they would you know have people you know because they were attracting the attention of like well, let's Go Fund Yourself, right? And they're like yeah, it's a parody, right? You get it. And then why don't you come through and see what you know real really happens? <laughs> what the organization can really do to help you in this you know kind of screwed up world of healthcare. And so I thought that was pretty creative like you know i think there were some interesting execution challenges maybe right of like you know people thought it's a real company that's what i thought when i saw that i was like is this a real company this is going you know but and if i hadn't made it to the booth i would have been like oh what is this right i would have thought it was real and i didn't make the connection to know know me health but luckily i did make it the booth so i got the connection but you know so that's the only thing that was kind of but definitely stood out right it felt different right and you know go find yourself as a creative pun which i'm all <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I also got a, a, a shout out to um, companies that actually have physical products mm. because one of the things that I think was is very much missing in the digital health world it's not very tangible right yes you can see the demo on the screen but there's something different about touching and feeling the products and so I got to give kudos to, to companies like Neurologics and anybody who's making medical devices mm-hmm. where you're just able to walk up and try the kiosk yeah. right like Freesia does this right you can walk up and try and enter the forums and and those kinds of things. I think that can be really a long-lasting impression or long after the conference is over. So I think that in terms of if you can make, uh, if you can put in your booth or put in uh, your conference something where you can experience the product in context, mm-hmm. I think you're doing pretty well. I think that's a really good tactic. Yeah, and I actually did a, a, some work with LG and Amwell. They had the whole setup of integrating the LG TVs with the Amwell right. product and how can you do virtual center. And you could literally demo it. They put it in a meeting room, which was interesting, you know, so it was a little off, you know, a quiet place that you could actually test it rather than, you know, in the you know, conference area that's so loud and noisy or whatever. And we, we did a full demo of it, so you can watch for that at Healthcare IT Today. You can see that video. But another one that was really cool was Venminder. They have these Ven monsters that they've created, which I think was pretty interesting. Like to see these Ven monsters, right? It was playful. It was creative. It made you say stop and be like, "Well, what's this about? You know, talk to us about this and help us understand how you, you know, what what do you do, right?" But it was it was very playful, artistic, right? That felt different than just 
you know, a bunch of words on the screen. And I, I was shocked how many people. So at the health conference, they have a petunia, which is like their mascot, their mascot which yeah. is this unicorn hippopotamus kind of thing. And so many people were like, hey, check out this picture I got of petunia. I'm like, what the frick? Like, why are you talking about petunia? And they're like, gave me all sorts of credibility with my kids. They loved it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And they wanted pictures with Petunia. So it's interesting when you take something playful, it attracts the attention. The question is how do you bridge to the actual, you know, content discussion about how you can help them? Yeah. I will have to give you the negative one. One of the tactics that I think should, should be ended is hucksters in the booth, mm -hmm. like the magicians, the uh, illusionists and those things. I know it's kind of cool to see a magic trick, but to me, it doesn't, it doesn't help you. Like it's not extremely memorable. Maybe for that moment, I would go, oh, that was interesting. But as soon as the trick's over, it's not like I'm sticking around in your booth listening to your demo, yeah. right? Like it, it, to me, and it, it just it interrupts the conversation. Like you have this magician off to the side doing the, his, his or her thing, and then you're trying to have a discussion about like, you know, furthering the relationship on the other side of your booth. Unless you have like a 40 by 40 booth, like you're, listening, you're watching the magician. Right? Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm not convinced any of those hucksterish kinds of things are really that great uh, event marketing tactic. Yeah, you know, I've seen one that works pretty good, and that's the pool guy, the trick shot pool oh. guy. <laughs> but what he does is he integrates the message into him doing the trick shot. And so uh, that was pretty cool, right? Because you're actually sitting there and you're like, I want to see this trick shot. And he builds it up, right? He's building the trick shot as you do it. And you're like, oh, this is going to be fun to watch. And then he'd be like, and yeah, as you build this, you need to build your infrastructure to be reliable and secure. And yes, so he would in integrate the message of the company into it. And so then you were getting it while doing it. That one kind of works for me. So I'm, I'm okay with him, uh, you know, and plus trick shots are just cool. That's so. a <laughs> Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lynn and Colin Hunt. And yes, we are in person together. Once again, <laughs> record a podcast. Today we are talking about healthcare marketing and healthcare events. So, John, again, we're, we're just finishing Health 2022. Uh, you know, we've been to a lot of, of conferences. Um, what, uh, in your mind, you know, is there a value to speaking at a healthcare conference? Because I know everyone really tries to like get a speaker there. Is it really a good payoff? Yeah, I'm a little torn, right? I, and I'm with you, right? Like in our HIPAA community, right? The healthcare marketing community, they're all like, how do I get speakers? In fact, there's entire companies that do the call for speaker submission process because it's so cumbersome and they value it so much. I think the question is it depends on the conversation. It's kind of like, you know, maybe some of the answer for the whole thing is it depends, right? But, you know, if you're going to an AHIMA or an MGMA where the sessions are just packed, then yeah, you definitely want a speaking one. Now, you need to think about what am I going to present and how am I going to feature the company in a way that's going to make sense without feeling like a sales pitch. People don't do that well all the time, right? So if you do that, you might actually alienate everyone and be like, man, I never want to go with them. These people just want to sell me. And they, you know, it doesn't feel like substance and all that, right? So you got to be careful on what you present and how you present it and how you do it with the customer often, which is usually the case at most conferences. But, you know, other conferences... Uh, here, I was just at a conference and I was talking to a guy from, you know, Perfect Target, right? He's at a provider organization, has a, I don't know if it's C-level, at least, you know, just below C-level position, buys lots of products. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I haven't been to a single session. 
He's like, I don't believe any of them. It's like, it's like they're just not quality content here. I'm spouting, you know, the usual terms and stuff with no substance. So it's like, I haven't been to a single one. So I think that's the problem at, at a lot of conferences is if they don't trust the content, then the sessions really aren't going to be valuable from a marketing perspective. Yeah, I think a couple things. I think it's always worthwhile to get a speaking slot uh, for one reason. Uh, it puts into the public record that you and your customer <laughs> are actually together, uh, that's good right? One. So because, you know, usually people insist on bringing a customer or, or some organizers say you can only speak if you bring a customer. So I think that there's value in just having that fact that you and your customer spoke. Because right. if you can't get a case study, you can at least say to the world, <laughs> hey, we presented together at this conference. Yeah, that's true. But to your point, uh, I think you really have to understand the nature and the culture of a company to know whether or not speaking at it is going to be really worthwhile. To your point, if people aren't even going to the sessions, or it's very, very, or it's just new people going to the sessions. It's your competitor going to the sessions. Right, <laughs> then it might not be worth it. It might not be worth it. But if, if uh, for some of the ones where they're getting CE credits and those things where they're packed, then yes, definitely that it is worth it and it's worth putting in the effort. Plus there's always like goodwill that you're earning from your own client, right? That you're, hey, like we, we thought enough about you or your, implementation, your success, that we want to put you on a pedestal at this conference, I think that there's a little bit of goodwill to be there. Which is really interesting, right? Because there's two types of customers. There's the customer you have to beg, borrow, and steal to get them on stage. And then there's the other customer who's like, oh, you gave me a gift and you invited me to come speak on stage. And they're like, thank you for promoting us and for me and for honoring us that you know, we were worthy to be on stage, et cetera. Like, it's interesting, these kind yeah. of two spectrum, right? Because on the one side, they're like, why do I want to be on stage? What's the value I get, right? But then you also have the some that are aspirational yeah. and want to be on stage. That, that's a tough thing to balance as well. Definitely is. But again, definitely worth it if you can. The one time I will say, if, if you're just going to get up there, though, and just do a sales pitch, Please, please don't do that. Because that is, no one will like that. You'll have an empty, your room will literally empty out. Because I think the message is finally getting through to people. Hey, if that session is not for you, and it's not interesting, you can get up and leave. Yeah, and people are doing that more and more. I think, you know, the, I, I do that. You know, I, I think the younger generation is like, hey, if it's not valuable, I'm just cutting out. Like, I don't care <laughs> what impression. Like, I think before, maybe that was a little different. Maybe there were different communities. How about, how do you look at it panel versus speaking session as well? You know, I, I kind of like the panels when it's a great panel because then there's like a synergy of multiple companies or multiple organizations driving people to attend the session. So that's the argument I think for the panel. Whereas, you know, a speaking session, you can get into more of the weeds of the results and the value that did it. And, and obviously you're featured because it's just you, you know, and your customer or whoever, right? So how do you look at that panel versus speaking? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think uh, panels are uh, more entertaining for the audience. I think people love the different perspectives. And I think, it, you know, if you have a good moderator and they're asking really edgy, uh, mm -hmm. top of mind questions, I think it'd be fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you're there to learn, I think you learn more from the lecture style and from like a small number of presenters, like two presenters kind of thing. I feel like, yeah, like you said, you can go yeah, deeper into the topic. That's yeah. interesting. So I think that's the that's the difference. If you're just looking to entertain, if you're looking to give the perspective, and you have like you know some some uh, thought thought leaders that you want to highlight, then a panel is going to be much more entertaining. And I think a lot more people are, especially like us who have go to all the conferences, more we're more apt to go to the panels. That's true. Right. So I that's think there's true. that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, the other aspect as we kind of you know wrap up this episode is media attention, right? <laughs> a lot of people go to conferences because the media is there, right? And and, and I, I think that's ebbed and flowed, uh, you know, depending on the conference as well, which I think you know maybe that's a topic for another day. But you know, how do you see it as attracting media attention to the conference? Are you a, a coffee and drinks guy, or you know, are you more of a pizza and ice cream guy like me? <laughs> I am coffee and drinks for sure. Okay, uh, for sure. Um, but no, like I think the the key to making a conference super successful today. I mean, yes, you want to get leads. Yes, you want to further relationships with potential customers. Those are all. You know, yes, or you existing have to, rooms yeah, too, right? You have to do that. But I think where I see the cherry on top, the value that you can truly get from a conference will be media attention. Because if I can't get any of the other stuff, at least I can get media attention. Or at least I can forge a new relationship with some folks in the media. Because I might need them when I do my next product announcement and so forth. And we're all there. We all are on the same circuit and go to all the same shows. I would make it a point to find out who's there from the media side and try to get set up a meeting. Even if I'm not going to give them an interview, that may that'd be wonderful if I could get yeah, one. You might but, even get not get a mention in an article. Yeah, but if I got five minutes with somebody, right? And, and I appreciate that when people come up and say, hey, listen, I only have a story for you right now, but just wanted to meet you and you know, I followed your stuff, I read this article. Like, I'll remember that person the next time they send me a, a pitch. Now, and if they remind me, hey, we met at such and such a conference, it makes a big difference. So that to me is, is something that you should definitely try to make an attempt to do. And, and you know, most, most uh, conference organizers will give you the list of the media who are coming. Yeah, absolutely. I think when I look at it, the key to getting the attention is just remembering that the media are human too. Mm. Like that, that's HitMic principle number three, you know, <laughs> in our HitMic Bible of marketing principles in that community. But it's like, you know, like they're humans, right? So what do humans want? One, they, they want good relationships, right? And good engagement and connection. They want you to make it easy for them, right? And I, I can say, you, you, they want, we want, right? <laughs> you know, like if you make it hard for them to tell the story, why would we ever want to spend time, right? Like if I'm having to dig to understand what's your the story or what's the perspective that's unique, like, like that's awful. That's like... That's misery. That's the opposite of what you want, right? Like, and, and very few media will do that, you know, like to try to dig in. And it's like, you should make it super easy for them to know what your perspective is and what is the story that you can help enhance what they're doing so that they can do their job, right? And understanding what is their job, right? Are they an investigative? Are they a breaking news? Are they a thought leader that wants to be seen as a thought leader? And how can you support that goal right. of the journalist or the media person that's doing it, right? Because you know, for us, if you reach out with like an embargo, we're not breaking news people, right? Like we, we don't break news really, right? Like that's not what we do. So an embargo doesn't really influence us into thinking like, oh, we'll honor it, that's fine, we'll be respectful, but like I'm not ready to break news, so that's not who we are, so don't lead with that, right? Like maybe you still do it for whatever reason because you want to keep it private, but like, you know, it's understanding that and making it easy for them is always the key. Yeah, and definitely like, you know, you hear it all the time. As you get to know a media person or a journalist and you get to know what they like to, to cover, you should give them more of that. Like people have started to get to know that I like surveys, I like data, I like statistics. And so if I see those in the pitch, I'm more apt to read it. You're right. If you've got a new uh, embargo on a new feature or function, like it's going to be pretty rare that I pick that one up or respond to that. It's like you're set. We're not breaking news kind of people. We know other outlets do that. Sure. And so we'll let them do that. We're more about... Let's show me the numbers. Let's talk about the results that you've gotten from this new feature. That I'm more interested in. Uh, 
so yeah, I, I would definitely say that. The other thing I would say is just do your homework, right? Like just again, I would just go back to you like, what kind of media person do you want to be, uh, that you want to get covered by? A podcaster is very different than a journalist at a publication yeah. and very different from someone else who is just maybe just on LinkedIn. Um, so there's a like media, the definition of media has definitely changed over the years. It's no longer just journalists working, you know, in a newsroom. Yeah, and I think the paid opportunities have evolved as well, right? Absolutely. There's a lot of paid opportunities with a lot of journalists now that, you know, before would have been like unbecoming, but now it's just been a normal part of it. And I, I look at it for a lot of them, it depends on the organization, they're paying for priority. Because if there's 850 vendors or 1,300 vendors, right, or even hundreds of vendors, there's usually only a few journalists. You can't get to everything, right? So the question is, how are you going to get priority? And sometimes it's being interesting enough and that works fine, right? Or having a thought leader that is so good that they want to cover. And other times you have to pay because, you know, if you have a run-of-the-mill solution that doesn't have, you know, isn't on the strategic priority of some other CIOs, but maybe you want to get that message out, then, you know, paying is an option. You know, I think the other way, if they really want to get it calling, they just need a sci-fi reference. If, if, <laughs> if the subject has a Star Wars reference, and then, you know, there's a little quote from Yoda about why you should cover, I'm pretty sure you'd cover that. Yeah, it's, that's actually very accurate. <laughs> if, I, if there is a comic book sci-fi reference oh, comic in, in, any, in anyone's pitch, Breaking news. I will definitely, <laughs> you're, you're guaranteed a read, right? Yeah. And you're going to get a response because you at least put the effort in. To, to put that in there, exactly. but it's the personal. It is, and and likewise, I think if if uh, if someone comes up to you and offers some form of ice cream or cheesecake, yeah. I think Ooh, cheesecake. That's true too. Or or like, hey, we're gonna be dancing at our booth. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You do TikToks in the booth. Yeah, John's there or karaoke. Well, I don't know if I'm gonna be on a TikTok, but yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> Hey, listen, uh, for all of you that are listening, watching, you've heard John and I mention HitMake a few times, and that is, of course, our healthcare, IT, healthcare and IT marketing community that we run. We have our conference happening in 2023 here in Vegas, February 1st to the 3rd, and it's a gathering where a lot of folks from healthcare marketing, or sorry, from healthcare IT companies that are in marketing are going to gather, share ideas, and just really commiserate on one hand, <laughs> but also get inspired on the other hand. It's a fantastic conference. If you want to find out more, just head on over to hitmic.com and there's right at the top, there's a little uh, link to go to find out more about the conference and we hope to see you next year here in Vegas. Yeah, and what's great about Hitmic is if you've been to all these health IT conferences, you've been standing next to each other for weeks or days <laughs> and you never get a chance to talk. At Hitmic, all the healthcare marketing professionals, B2B largely, come together and share those ideas and, and really, like you said, be inspired, learn, grow, connect, learn of new resources. So hope you can join us in Vegas. That's right. Hitmic.com, H-I-T-M-C.com. And hey, thanks to all of you who tuned in and listening to this episode of Healthcare IT Today. For more details about our program, check out the program's page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please engage with the community on healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag H-I-T-S-M. I'm Colin Hong along with my health IT collaborator, John Lynn. Thanks for listening and watching.